Welcome to Truth Transistor Radio. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I'm your host, Rob Hedrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 1618. Pride going before destruction. Welcome to episode 24 of my podcast, and today we are going to start a new series on just a Bible study, like um, a broad, I guess you could call it the big picture of the Bible. I did this on YouTube already, but of course those were all like 15, 20 minutes long each, and I'm going to do the same idea, the same thing, but in longer episodes, so I might go into more detail on each one, but um, yeah, so it's not going to be like a verse by verse from Genesis to Revelation, Uh, there's probably only going to be about eight or nine of these, Um, so I, I basically, so up until now we discussed why I believe the Bible is true, then we discussed uh, the Uh, Mystery Babylon series by William Cooper, and then we got into apostasies, and then the true church. But then the question is, what is the message of the Bible? What does it it actually say? And we're going to go through it and um, look at the big uh, events, the big pictures, and and read through it, the big story. Uh, We're mainly going to focus on the message of the Bible as opposed to... um, you know, like specific doctrine that may not be that that may be secondary. You know, I might mention if I think it's important, but um, we're not going to get into like covenant theology versus dispensationalism or Calvin. You know, uh, predestination versus free will or things like that. Or uh, <laughs> um, it's more going to be the big picture and the and the most important messages uh, in the Bible. So. Today uh, is going to be Genesis chapters 1 through 4. So um, there's a, quite a bit in there, but there's a, a major message that, that we can fit in an hour pretty easily. And so that's what we'll be t- discussing today. Something that I've been forgetting to bring up lately is my email. And feel free to contact me at any time if you have questions. Um, you want dialogue, we can just talk through the email or something. Um, My email address is truthtransistorradio at gmail.com. So feel free to send me an email if you have any thoughts, any disagreements on a podcast, any agreements, any questions, uh, any prayer requests, anything like that. So uh, I, I haven't been mentioning that in every episode, but I thought I would bring it up now again. So just for fun today in this kind of introduction section where I just talk about whatever, I'm going to give my top 10 uh, sitcoms. So uh, (laughs) if you want to give me your top 10, email them to me. Uh, So 
Yeah, so let's start with number 10. My number 10 is the only one or older than the, the uh, I guess you could say the 70s. Yeah, it's the only one older than the 70s. In fact, I don't think I have anything else. Yeah, I have one other show that goes in uh, that started in the 80s. One or, yeah, I think just one. But anyway, number 10 is The Andy Griffith Show. I think this is one of the best uh, what you what you call uh, collaborative comedy where there's a lot of funny characters in the show and it's it's probably stood the test of time more than most there's other old shows that I enjoy but this one is one of the best I think and you know um, Don Knotts is one of my favorite actors comedy actors of all time he's been in many funny movies you know and uh, Gomer Pyle is really funny in the show too, although I've never been gotten into the uh, spinoff with Gomer Pyle where he's in the military. And then Goober's okay, but he's not as funny as the first two. But Aunt B is funny. You know, Andy Griffith is more of the straight man. Um, and I'll just mention this, that I think that this movie was sort of based on, I mean, not this movie, this TV show was based on a movie character wise um but of course the it's they're playing different people but it was based on the same premise of character for andy griffith um and there was a movie called no time for sergeants that i really recommend and i don't know if that's where he met don knotts or not but don knotts had a really funny short part in that movie and uh, Andy Griffith was actually a funny character in the movie. And, and if you watch the, uh, the very beginning of the Andy Griffith show, Andy Griffith was a bit funnier. He was more of a, uh, you know, sort of a southern accent, uh, you know, very, a little funnier. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it except to say he's funnier, right? Um, but... I think Andy Griffith realized that it would be better if he was a straight man and let the other people be funny. And uh, I think that's kind of rare in com uh, sitcoms now because the star wants to be the star. And how dare anybody, you know, take that place. But um, Andy Griffith was one of those that shows, the Andy Griffith show, is one of those shows where the cast is... Like, just about everybody in the cast is funny. So, yeah, that's number 10. Number 9 is The Simpsons. This used to be much higher for me, but I think that over the... I think it's been overplayed. I mean, it's been overdone. <laughs> They're still going for, what is it now, 30 years? Started in the late 80s, I think. And I was really into it in the 90s, but I guess... In the last 20 years, I haven't really watched it. Um, so I don't know if it's still any good or not. But it's kind of gone downhill, uh, down for me just because I haven't watched it in 20 years. And when I, I do see it on TV, it doesn't really do it for me anymore. Um, but there's some very creative episodes, like these Halloween episodes or that are very strange and other things. So it's... Let me turn off my heater. Okay. Um, 
so there's some very creative shows back in the olden days. The earliest shows are a little hard to watch because it seems a little cheaper, cheaply made. But it, I guess there could be something for those that are completists would, well, not completists, but maybe some people liked that cheaper version in the first season or two. But I would say the prime of it was like the mid-90s. And, uh, yeah, so that would be number nine for me. Uh, oh, another funny thing to mention about that show is how um, the kids have been the same age for 30 years. And they even mention it. Like, I think there is one where uh, this was more recent. So this was actually something funny in a recent show where it was mentioned that Bart had been in the third grade for, or fourth grade for like 30 years. <laughs> uh and also, in memory episodes, if you go back to the 90s and you have memories of Homer and Marge when they were in high school, it would be like 60s, the, you know, like the 60s. And then if you had a modern show with memories, it would go back to the 80s or 90s. So uh, somehow the timeline doesn't work, but it's a cartoon. So what can you do? Uh, number eight is not on television, but it is on, I think it's on Netflix, and it's called Haters Back Off. Um, this was based on a YouTube channel called Miranda Sings, which I've never watched uh, much. But um, Haters Back Off reminds me of Napoleon Dynamite, but with a female lead. And uh, so that kind of gives you an idea <laughs> of the type of humor that it is and I don't know how popular it is I think it was it was canceled too short it didn't last very long and I wish they would have allowed it to continue so um, check that out I'm, I believe it's still on Netflix but haters back off great great show number seven it's always sunny in Philadelphia uh, this one can be a little bit, uh, for those that are perhaps a little more careful, uh, can be a little uh, crude, you know. Um, so, you know, be cautious of that. But it's sort of a, you know, a bunch of people that just are selfish, bad people <laughs> that uh, work at this bar. And a lot of funny things happen. Um, one of my favorite scenes actually gives sort of a positive um, to creationism versus evolution. Uh, and it kind of makes the creationists look good in the episode. I, you may have seen that. Friends also has an, epi uh, a, um, an episode with that in it. Um, so I, I enjoy both of those scenes. But, uh, yeah, It's Always sun Sunny is a great show. Very funny. Number six, My Name is Earl. I haven't seen all of them. In fact, I haven't seen all of It's Always Sunny either. Uh, but, yeah, the ones I have seen, um, they're great. My Name is Earl has a running um, idea of, it's kind of about um, karma, I guess. So it's kind of a new age idea. But... Earl kind of did all these bad things, and he's trying to make up for it. 
uh, by doing good things. So he wrote all the bad things he ever did, and he has to make up for it. And somehow uh, he believes that good things will start happening to him. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny. And they're kind of like white trash, uh, poor, you know, poor white people. There is one black character in it. Uh, well, maybe more than one. One ma main black character. But it's mostly poor white people in the show. But it's very funny. Number five is Curb Your Enthusiasm. And obviously a sort of a same, the same producer as Seinfeld and Jer Larry David. And uh, just all of the awkward situations that he gets in. Um, just hilarious. I haven't seen all of these episodes either, but I'm, I'm a huge fan going back to the Seinfeld days. And, uh, I don't want to give spoilers of my list here, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I forgot to mention that it's always sunny is kind of like a modern version. Although I don't know if they still have episodes today or not, but it's a more of a recent version of Seinfeld type humor just a bunch of people that are kind of selfish and um you know a bunch of friends that are selfish uh anyway but caribbean enthusiasm has similar humor as well um but of course it's on hbo so it's it's it could be rated r uh a bit you know cussing and all that stuff so once again be cautious uh number four that 70s show. Uh, a lot of funny characters in the show. Um, you know, it's kind of an interesting idea of uh, sort of a throwback. I mean, I, I guess it's similar to Happy Days. And Happy Days didn't quite make this list. Um, I really liked that show as well. But I thought it would have been cool if... Because I think that that 70s show and Happy Days both were... Both took place like Wisconsin, Minnesota area. So it wouldn't be out of the question to have Happy Days characters show up on that 70s show with the same actors because I think Happy Days was would take place in the 50s and made in the 70s while that 70s show was made in the 90s and took place in the 70s. So it would be 20 years later <laughs> from the Happy Days perspective, so the actors would be the age they are now, or at the time of the show. So I'm surprised that never happened, but that would have been cool. Uh, once again, a it could be a little crude, so just be cautious of that. It's not as bad as It's Always Sunny or Curb Your Enthusiasm, but it can be a little raunchy at times. Um, yeah. Number three, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, I would say the comedy is similar between Fresh Prince and that 70s show as, as far as the uh, quality of comedy. Um, but Fresh Prince is cleaner, so that's a plus for that one. And um, also, kind of this, if you pay attention from season one to the last season, I don't remember how many seasons they've had, um, there's kind of this evolu uh, evolution of will of you know will the fresh prince whatever you know will smith at the beginning he uh, he had just moved in from the ghetto from you know his aunt set him to live with his rich 
family uh, cousins and uncle. Uh, and he didn't really fit in at first. He still had kind of that ghetto attitude and got into trouble a lot. But if you watch the at the end of the series, he seems very um, behaved and mature, you know. And so I kind of like that about the quality, you know, the progress of the show. And it gets into kind of this, um, I mean, it does get into race issues, you know. Um, but it also talks about, just like the Cosby show did, that's another example, where it kind of gives more of a positive idea of what you can be for, for minorities, um, that they don't have to be, uh, don't have to play the victim. If you work hard and, and um, are moral, you know, and do good things, you stay out of trouble then you can succeed in this life, you know. Um, maybe you could say, uh, some people feel, and maybe you could say that you have, an you have obstacles in the way, that society throws obstacles. But there's plenty of examples of success by black people, and I think that is important to think about for anyone listening um, that might feel like a victim, that... You know, just do the best you can do. Be the best you can be. You know, if you're young, go to school, work hard, get good grades. When you get a job, do a good job, you know, um, and be a good person, you know. Stay out of trouble. Don't sell drugs. Don't, you know, that seems pretty obvious. But don't do anything to put obstacles in your own way. That's what I'm saying. And if you feel like society has given you obstacles, um, you know, I am of the belief that there is uh, racial profiling, so perhaps you have to try a little bit harder, you know, to stay out of trouble, but do the best you can do. Don't put extra obstacles in your own way, you know what I mean? And I think that's kind of what the show Fresh Prince talks about, but it's also very funny. My, my favorite character in the show is Carlton. He's hilarious. Uh, number two, and this used to be my number one. But recently I had to think about it and I switched to number two, and that's Seinfeld. Seinfeld, I think, is the funniest show ever. Um, but that's all it is. There's nothing deep about it, <laughs> which is fine, you know. It's just, it's just hilarious, and I think no show ever um, took a big step forward for stand-up than Seinfeld did. I mean, you look at shows before Seinfeld and how less funny they were for the most part um and then Seinfeld really I think changed things um and it's one of the last shows that I enjoyed that has a laughing track um I guess that 70s show did as well um but yeah I'll get back to that but yeah Seinfeld my you know great show and um I can't remember well, I won't get say much more. I'm almost at 20 minutes. Uh, the Office is number one. And this show, I think you could say, is almost just about as funny as Seinfeld. But what makes it, makes it better is uh, there's better storytelling. Sorry, my washer, dishwasher is going off. Um, better storytelling, 
there's some moments of you know emotion i would say that um the people that like friends versus seinfeld probably liked it because it had more emotion in it <laughs> you know more uh uh what do you call it yeah more deep emotion in it seinfeld was just pure comedy and i feel like the office had both um most of these shows had some emotion in it but i think the office you could say is every bit as good as friends in terms of the emotional side and just about as funny as seinfeld on the on the comedy side and so for that i have to pass seinfeld and put it at number one so uh and then i was going to mention you know the office didn't have a uh laughing track and i can't i'm not sure what the first sitcom was without a laughing track but in my mind after 2000 early 2000s whenever shows like my name is earl um it's always sunny curb your enthusiasm the office i feel like if there's laughing tracks on a show now I think it's dated. I feel like a laughing track is dated now. Um, I just, you know, it, when I if there's a laughing track, I would expect it to be 90s or earlier, or maybe early 2000s, like the seven that 70s show, which actually started in the late 90s. So I'll give that one a pass. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's my top 10 uh, sitcoms, and I will maybe do more top tens in the future if I have nothing much to, else to talk about in the intro section. Um, since I'm past 20 minutes, I'm going to go ahead and just start with today's Bible study, Genesis chapter 1 through 4. And, um, you know, I'm going to read through, we may not read every bit of this, but I think, uh, I think that we'll read a lot of it. And, and uh, talk about the message of this of these passages. I'm going to read the ESV. Um, I, from everything I've heard, that's a very good translation, and it's not as hard to understand as King James. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning. The first day. Now I don't want to get into this too much. Because I already talked about it in the evidence or creation versus evolution episode. Which I think is episode two. Um, so uh, anyway, so go back to that and watch it. Um, but the main point is that God created light, and then separated the light from the darkness in day one. Uh, second day, let there be an ex God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. 
I almost feel like I can just read through this because that says it all. <laughs> just ta just uh, reading God's word, I think the Holy Spirit can do the work, right? Um, if I have anything to add, I will, but I'm just going to keep reading. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God said, and God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. Now you may notice, obviously I talk about the historical facts of it in episode two, but there's also some spiritual meaning in these things. And uh, I think it's very interesting, so like separating the darkness from the light, you know. There's also, <laughs> I think in, in God's creation, he also revealed some spiritual truths. Verse 20, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens, so God created the great sea, creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. 
And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth... And every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps upon the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for you. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, a lot of stuff here. In six days, God created the heavens and earth and all them that in them is. And I think it's amazing. And he said he created man in his own image. There's something special about man compared to the other animals. Chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work and he had done in that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, when no brush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and it was watering the whole face of the ground. Now I want to quickly state that some people say this is a second creation. However, I disagree. Because I believe it's going back. And uh, because it says there was no man to till the ground. And it says that no... Uh, plant had sprung up yet. So um, I think he's going back to talk about having planted everything uh, but nothing had grown yet. Um, and a midst was going up from the land and uh, watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man from an ape. No, it doesn't say that. God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You know, I don't think this is a second creation because it says no man to work the ground. And then all of a sudden it says, uh, then the Lord God formed the man of dust. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Now where Eden is, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to speculate here. Um, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A, fl a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first river is the fire. Okay, we don't need to read all this part here, but it's pretty interesting. I would uh, uh, tell you, it tells a little bit about the rivers and the gold 
the onyx stone, all this stuff. It's pretty interesting. Uh, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. Now, first of all, I'm convinced that the Bible was destroyed with a flood. I mean, not the Bible, sorry. The world was destroyed by a flood, you know, 1600 and something years later. So where Cush is and what it looked like, I don't know. But um, before the flood. But Cush after the flood is Africa. Um, historians would verify that. So I don't know how different the landscape looked before the flood. But uh, it talks about a river that went around Cush. So um, perhaps where the oceans are now were just rivers. So there, there might have been more land uh, before that. So <laughs> anyway, that's kind of interesting. And where Eden, Eden is, I'm not sure either. Uh, <clears throat> the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. I, when I was a kid, I drew a picture of Adam and there would be like a lion. I would draw a lion and I'd put like one of those, what do you call that, bubble quotes in my drawing and it put lion and he would point at the lion. <laughs> Um, every beast of the field and every bird of heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and all the birds of heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took out, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man that's probably why having a woman is like from you know it touches man's heart because the rib is close to the heart okay that was corny cancel the whole podcast I'm done I'm going to delete everything no, I'm kidding. Uh, okay, where was I? <laughs> then the man said, this, is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, Jesus refers to this passage. Um, if you notice in the Old Testament, there are times where polygamy is allowed, that Moses allows divorce, and some of these things were, and according to Jesus, this was because of man's 
uh, hard, the hardness of man's heart that God allowed these things. Sometimes it is necessary because of sin. You could have an abusive situation. You could have adultery, uh, different things like that. And sometimes it's not possible to, uh, to keep things together, unfortunately. But the way God had intended it was for one man and one woman to get married and to stay together for the rest of, until one of them passes away. So, um, now, uh, chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now notice Satan kind of adds to what God had actually said. Uh, he said, you should, you should not even touch it. You know, that's kind of like legalism. You know, God, all of God said was don't eat it. And Satan added, you don't even touch it. You know, that's kind of like legalism. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would be wise to like linger around something that's forbidden because that just adds to temptation, right? Uh, but the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely, uh, oh, say, no, this is what the woman said. Sorry. So the woman added, neither shall you touch it. So maybe Adam had told her that it's probably a good idea, but it was, it's kind of added to what God actually said. And also Satan implies, did God say not to eat of any tree in the garden? So Satan's kind of adding to it. Like God doesn't want you to have any food. <laughs> which God only said one tree. One tree. So uh, Eve corrects him and says, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, except for the one in the midst of the garden. But the serpent said to the woman, uh, or she said, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The King James says, you'll be as gods. So when the woman saw that the tree was good and for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took, it, took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave him to some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, I want to stop here for a second. This was the first deception given by Satan. And what Satan, the serpent, said would happen, that they shall be like gods or as God, um, and that they wouldn't die, but they would have this knowledge um, this is the foundation of the Luciferian philosophy, which, which we went through in the William Cooper Mystery Babylon series in my commentaries uh, in earlier episodes. So check those out. Um, this is the foundation of false religion. And the first sin is when 
Eve ate the fruit, and then Adam likewise ate the fruit. They disobeyed God. This is the first sin. So the first religion led to the first, first false religion led to the first sin. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because, of, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts. Of the field on your belly you shall go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. I think it's interesting because man was made from dust, and Satan seeks whom he may devour. So you could kind of look at that as Satan eating man uh, in a sense Uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring that's kind of interesting that Satan has some kind of an offspring but I think that the woman here represents God's people Uh, this is kind of like a prophetic verse too God's people is the, uh, the woman's seed and the seed of Satan is got you know the the peop the rulers of this world or the the people of this world so to speak um and between your offspring and her offspring and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel to the woman he said i will surely multiply your pain and childbearing in pain you shall bring forth children your desire shall be contrary to your husband i've heard you know, I think other versions say your di- your desire shall be for the husband, but he shall rule over you. In that context there, but he shall rule over you means that she wants to rule over him. But he, Ban, who is a stronger vessel, will have power over her throughout history. There's very, very you know, there's been some female uh, leaders and, you know, it doesn't offend me. I'm not offended by a female leader, but it's just a fact that in every, it's not because of, I mean, it's not because of Christianity or Judaism. It's just how things have always been, that men have tended to be in charge. And And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Uh, or I commanded you, quote, you shall not even, unquote. <laughs> Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of, of all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. This tells me... You know, there's a verse in Romans that says the wages of sin is death. 
I believe that man was created originally to live forever, but because of sin, they are now destined to die. So now God is telling him that he will return to the dust. The man called his wife na name Eve because she was the mother of all living, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. I want to go back and talk about how the serpent deceived, trying to say that, you know, in the Luciferian philosophy, they believe that uh, God lied to Adam and Eve and wanted to hold them in ignorance, right? But instead, uh, that that they could be get, be as gods and that there's so much you could, you know, so much better if you just take this fruit that God doesn't want you to eat. He's trying to hold you down. Well, look at all these curses that have happened since then. Death, pain, you know, fighting, infighting, that kind of thing, is now a result of disobeying God. Now I'm going to take a break from and do a song here. And this is a song by a band, a Christian punk band, called One Bad Pig. And the name of the song is Let's Be Frank.
Once again, that's Let's Be Frank by the band One Bad Pig. You can find, it, find them on iTunes. I think it's only available as an album. You can't get individual songs, unfortunately, but if you're interested, check that out. Okay, I'm going to continue reading here now in chapter uh, 3, verse uh, 20, verse 20, uh, 22, sorry. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now let us reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat. Uh, sorry. Take the tree of life and eat and live forever. Or sorry, I'm reading this wrong. Uh, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and the least of the Garden of Eden. He placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned away, uh, turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Now I wanted to point this out. Why would God take away the tree of life? Is it because he hates them? No. It's because with the evil heart of man, it's, uh, I think, it benefits us to not have to live forever. In fact, people were living over 900 years before the flood, and then after the flood, it cut down to 400, and then later to 200, and eventually to where we are now, to where the max is about 120. On average, about 70 to 80 years. So um, this shortening of life minimizes the the corruption we can do as you know evil beings you know with less time uh, I think we focus more upon um, you know more upon like surviving day to day and and perhaps being you know more thoughtful about death and realizing that we're going to face God someday so it does help it doesn't get rid of evil but it does help compared to living forever. And in chapter 4, uh, I'm not going to read it all here, but there's the story of Cain and Abel, and just the first few verses, actually. Now Adam, and Eve knew, uh, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his a brother Abel, and now Abel was keeper of the sheep, and, a Cain, and Cain a worker of the ground. In course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought to the firstborn of the flock and of the fat portions. Uh, now, this is the first time a lamb sacrifice is mentioned in the Bible. Uh, later on, in, the, in Moses' uh, books, book of Leviticus, you know, he, in Leviticus chapter 1, it specifically says that the lamb sacrifice is to be an atonement for you. So this is very important. You know, the, the firstborn spotless lamb um, and Abel also brought. So I believe God gave this lamb sacrifice system to Adam and Eve. But, the you know, we don't see that for sure. We see it Abel doing it. Um, and then it gets into the Lord had regard for 
Abel and his offering, but for Cain, his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And there's different views. The, the main view I've heard is because Abel's was a blood sacrifice and Cain's was a fruit, a fruit sacrifice, but I'm not certain that that's the case. I think for at the very least, it was Cain's heart. There was something wrong with Cain's heart. Perhaps that he thought that his offering was like, look at what I gave you, God, kind of a thing. Um, whereas it's really supposed to be, I'm such a, I'm, I'm a bad sinner. Lord, accept this, please. You know, humbling coming before God and realizing that you are a sinner. And I think this is also the difference between a religion and the truth. Um, most religions depend on how good you are. And oftentimes the leaders, the spiritual leaders in, in such a religion are thought of so highly that, you know, and if you go through the steps, you can be as spiritual as they are, right? <laughs> but the reality is we are all sinners. And if we have that attitude of being a sinner uh, and understanding, I think, you know, Abel may have understood that what the lamb, what happened to the lamb is what he deserved, right? Uh, the lamb sacrifice was ugly. Um, and Cain, although I, again, he was a bearer of fruit. So first fruits is a good thing, right? But if his heart was wrong, if it was more about, look at how good I am, God, look at what I've done, God, that is not, that is religion. That is not going to get you saved. It's the attitude of, Lord, I'm a sinner, forgive me. This is the gospel. So in the first four chapters of Genesis, you already have the gospel. And I'm going to add one last thing. This is kind of amazing. And it is in Genesis chapter 5, actually. So we're actually uh, looking at another chapter. I'm not going to read through it, but starting in verse 6, you start or verse 4, you get the genealogy of Adam through Seth. And so I'm going to play a clip here that I think is pretty amazing. There's another place that God appears to have laid out his plan in advance, and that's in some subtleties, and one of which I'd like to share with you in Genesis chapter 5, a genealogy. The genealogy in Genesis chapter 5 goes from Adam, the first man, down through Noah. And in Genesis chapter 5, if you wade through that, I encourage you to make a list of the names. Adam gives, uh, gave birth to Seth. Seth, Enosh. Enosh, Kenan. Kenan, Mahalal. Mahalal, Jared. Jared, Enoch. Enoch, Methuselah. Methuselah, Lamech. And Lamech was the father of Noah. Let's take these names. Ten names. But see, the problem is we need to know what the names mean. And if you have a study Bible or a source, a, a lexicon, what have you, you know that the name Adam means man. As you go through your Bible, when these names are typically first introduced, most of your marginal footnotes will tell you what the name means. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Kenan means sorrow. Mahalel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. 
Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lamech means the despairing. And the word Noah means rest or comfort. Now, let's read that genealogy as a sentence. Man is appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort. That wild? So that was Chuck Misler. And I've heard this from other sources as well, but I find that very fascinating. That, um, And I'm not a Hebrew scholar myself. I've heard other Hebrew scholars say, well, that's conjecture, or that's not proven, but... Um, yeah, I don't know where he got that information or how accurate that is, but if if that's accurate, that's pretty amazing that it spells out the gospel. You know, so uh, I you know, so in the first four chapters or five chapters of Genesis, you have the gospel, and even if you don't take those uh, genealogies to mean uh, to be exact. Or, or to, if you don't necessarily believe that those names mean what, you know, Chuck Misler says, even the first four chapters, you have the gospel. You have original sin, and you have, uh, you know, Abel with the sacrificed lamb. Now, it doesn't really explain what the sacrificed lamb is right there. But in Leviticus chapter 1, it says the lamb sacrifice is to be an atonement for you. And in John chapter 1, John the Baptist is baptizing people with water and he says there's one coming later that uh, whose sandals I'm not uh, I'm not worthy to lace and he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And that was Jesus. So Jesus showed up and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now this Lamb appears many times in the Old Testament, or a Lamb. You know, in Abel is the first time you see a Lamb sacrifice. I think Noah does a Lamb sacrifice. Abel, I mean not Abel, Abraham, uh, obviously. A, a Lamb replaces his son who was supposed to be sacrificed. And God said, no, stop. Uh, you know, first he asked him to, to sacrifice his son. But that's a picture to show that all of us deserve death. But the lamb replaces that. <laughs> the, the, the lamb sacrifice takes our spot. And it's like our sin is put on this lamb. Another example of this is the Passover lamb. And we'll discuss that more in a future episode. But I just wanted to go through these. And when Israel was in Egypt as slaves, there were all these plagues that God put upon them, right? And we'll discuss this more further in uh, another episode as we go through these Bible studies. But um, in the final plague, God commanded them to put a, a lamb on the doorpost, a spotless lamb, firstborn lamb, and that if if anyone did not, that the, an angel of God would come and kill the oldest son of the household. And 
if they did, then the angel would pass over that house. So this is another lamb, and that's where the Passover supper started uh, to remember this. And Jesus, when he was given the Passover to his disciples, he said, when they took the bread, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. When they drank the wine, this is my blood that is broke, that is spilled for you. And so the lamb on the doorpost represented Jesus. So a lot of people think that God put in a new system in the New Testament, that the old system, the old covenant was done away with. Well, in a sense, I mean, we don't sacrifice lambs anymore, but it represented the same thing. The spiritual truths presented in the Old Testament is the same message as the New Testament that have been fulfilled in Jesus. And we still do the Passover to this day. And we still do water baptism, which, you know, I'm not going to talk about here. But um, most of the rituals or the, the feasts and the different things that they were commanded to do in Israel, and we'll get more into that in another episode as well when we get to Leviticus, um, that uh, there's spiritual truths behind everything that, the, that Israel did. It wasn't just a law for the sake of it being a law. There was a meaning behind all of them. So, uh, thank you all and have a wonderful day. This is the most awesomest podcast of all time. I am your host, Rob Hedrick. This podcast is brought to you by Proverbs 16:18. Pride goeth before destruction. 